0: Hi, hello. My name is Julie Shafini. I am the community manager for the Whisper Forge, uh, and this is Inside Ars Paradoxica. Um, can everyone go around and introduce themselves? Because I'm the only new in town person, but they should know all of you people.
1: Hey, I'm Dan Manning. Uh, I, I co-created Ars Paradoxica with Misha, and I wrote you know, a lot of the episodes. Most of the episodes, maybe most of them. <laughs>
2: Hi, I'm Misha Stanton. I'm the story editor, director, producer, and sound designer of Ars Paradoxica.
0: Hey, my name is Eli Barassa, and I'm a staff writer on Ars Paradoxica, and I think I did a voice one or two times. I don't remember.
3: You were definitely Patty Fitzroy.
0: I was Patty Fitzroy. Iconic.
3: Hi, I am Julian Mundy. I am a staff writer on Ars Paradoxica, and I played a few people over the course of the series. Most notably, Ivan Marichak, right? Yeah. Is it most notably... Uh, To that one person who really, really stands Ivan Marichek, it is. Man, God bless that the one person Ivan Marichek fan club.
4: (laughs) Hello, hello. Uh, I am Danielle Shamaya. I am also a staff writer on Ars Paradoxica. I do the fight direction, and also I was a 77 that one time. Uh, Yeah.
5: Hi, I'm Tozaman. I was rejected from the voice casting. uh, (laughs) Not true. (laughs) My voice is nowhere in Ars Paradoxica. But I wrote some episodes and a cool song.
1: For what it's worth, uh, I was in Ars Paradoxica, but only as a series of bound muffled
5: gags as Andy Thurston. (laughs) <laughs> so basically i am the only person who's not ours right
4: i shoehorned me. my way in because i thought i was the only person that hadn't made it onto the show yet i did not realize that your voice was not in the show or else i would have made it so that you were <laughs> as well what I it's, fine. it's fine i thought i was left out
0: oh, um. if it makes you feel any better i haven't been in it yet either so <laughs> <laughs> I, I never
5: will
1: that might be some some dinner table con or like dinner table rivalry because i mean your brother was in this show and you couldn't even get in
5: I know. Ooh. Well, no. actually, so, no. so that's how I became. A, so that's how I became a writer. Is basically I like I like met Misha at a show and was like, "Can I please voice act for ours, Paradoxica? And then Misha messaged me being like, "Do you want to write instead?" And I was like, oh. <laughs> um, "There you go." Okay, cool. Let's do. And fun. I Just am kidding.
6: wait, not yet. You guys didn't.
5: You, oh my God. you left me
6: what? out. No. Oh, what? No.
4: Who's that? The most familiar guys. voice of them all.
6: Guys, hi. I'm <laughs> Who <are> here. You? <laughs>
4: Have
6: we met? I'm Kristen DiMercurio, and I played Dr. Sally Grissom, but everybody forgot. I believe it. <laughs> what are you even doing here? Oh, oh, the cacophony no. is insane, you guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and with that, we're going to do a Q&A with all of y'all. Sent in um, by our listeners are some lovely questions, which I am going to read to you and have y'all answer. And we'll go from there. They're
4: finally taking us to task.
0: Yeah. All right. They're finally taking y'all to task.
4: Oh, no. Does that mean I have to remember shit we did like
2: eight years ago? Don't worry, Misha. I remember everything. Good. Someone has to.
0: <laughs> I remember nothing, so I'll just laugh. <laughs> That's why we're friends, Kristen. <laughs> There's a couple of behind the scenes questions that you could answer, Cr- uh, Kristen. Don't worry about that. Could, but will <laughs> I? Will oh, that you? Great. That is the question. <laughs> so uh, we are going to start with question. The first questions are from uh, Esme. Um, the first question is: Did Archie travel back with Sally Prime to 1943? If not, <laughs> is he staying with Matteo and Nikhil? Best first question. Ooh. I started Wait. out strong.
6: Kristen, I feel like Kristen should. Oh man, I I don't think Archie came back. I don't think Archie <gasps> oh, came man. back.
3: Oh,
6: I know that's this became so hardball
3: very quickly.
0: Yeah, I tried to start you off light, y'all.
6: I'm
1: bummed because we could have asked Archie, but his voice actor just walked out.
4: Oh, that sounds like your answer. <laughs> she was
1: literally um, just here.
2: I like to think that Sally Prime found a nice home for
6: oh, yeah, Archie she just, like, before leave she him left. Her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. Uh,
2: Archie is canon safe.
6: Like, like Archie's, like, living large wherever Archie oh, is. Guys, my headcanon, uh,
4: Sally large.
2: Grissom gave Archie to Enrico Fermi. Uh, <gasps> oh, and my God.
6: Eli's um, having a meltdown, head guys. Headcanon, official canon, it's there now.
3: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, can I can I throw in a conflicting Go one? Go for it. Um, yes. She gave Archie to Fermi, and then Archie went and found a house that he preferred?
4: Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Archie does whatever he wants. Yep. Speaking as the creator of Archimedes the Cat, um, Archie <laughs> came from beyond, and he will continue to be everywhere and anywhere in any given moment whenever he wants to be. In so, some
6: alternate timeline, Archie went on to be the weird cat in Welcome to Nightvale. Vale. That's yeah, I think we know there's
4: more than one Archie. I think we're aware of that, yeah. <laughs>
1: Here's some behind-the-scenes things you don't know. Um, canonically, cats are immune to butterfly syndrome. We just we just yeah. had that.
4: Oh yeah, that's canon.
1: Yeah, that we like put that down somewhere.
6: And if Sally had known that, she might have taken him with her. But
3: oh
1: yeah,
6: Aww,
4: she was thinking of him exactly.
3: It's too bad that she wasn't really around for that whole side adventure that he had.
4: I know. I'm she. She heard about it. The whole point was that she recorded it.
3: Yeah, but it, does she listen that carefully though? <laughs>
6: yes. <laughs> if she's anything like me. No.
3: But yeah, no. I I just remember having an astounding amount of fun writing that little mini-sode, and Archie is. Definitely one of my favorite characters in this, despite having only, like, the odd interaction with one or two characters.
4: It's probably my proudest contribution to the show. None of the mm. other stuff. No, just the cat. <laughs> like, the cat. You know what? There should be I a cat. Like not, the, not the intricately choreographed fight scenes that no. you only see with your ears. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, there should be a cat. Yeah, let's put a cat.
6: <laughs> Whoa, somebody should make a weird audio drama logo that's an eyeball inside a ear, and it'll be like, see with your ears. I feel oh, like God. that should be you.
0: Okay, I'll do it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the next question from Esme is, what is the maximum number of Petras in a given timeline?
4: Petra? Hmm. Petrae.
0: <laughs> um, I Petri. think that uh, she's got a 40-man roster going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's like a baseball team. 40-man roster? She would be that extra to be
4: like, I need the actual amount of that's on a baseball team.
2: They did definitely do that 1955 Dodgers thing.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I definitely just re-listened to ARC-3 today, and uh, so I remember all of these very specifically. Um, Yeah, I'm thinking, I don't think there's a maximum, guys. (laughs) Uh, Actually, no, the answer is 69, dudes. Nice. Nice, 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 nice. Nice, 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 nice. The limit does not exist, but 69, though.
2: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say 160 trillion, because I read recently that statistic as the maximum amount of humans that could live on the Earth before the entire everything just collapsed.
4: What?
2: Like, like were we to get 100% energy efficiency like the maximum capacity of the planet is about 160 trillion. And if
4: all the ocean was land also? I don't like, know. I don't know. I just read it. But
2: imagine 160 <laughs> trillion. A bunch billion. of Carmens, a
1: bunch of Petras, and a bunch of Jack Harknesses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, our next question comes from Tina. If you were to wager a guess, do you think that things would be better between Esther and Miriam this go around?
4: My sweet girl.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I think that's part of what... Petra ended up doing I think um in episode 35 there's a lot of like Petra trying to stay undercover but whenever she sees something that she knows is gonna go wrong she like can't keep it inside for too long so she sort of like knew about Miriam and inserted herself within that relationship to try to heal it and I think it worked yeah yeah Yeah. 35 was written definitely written under the assumption that it worked
0: that being said in the finale it goes back to the beginning before the events of 35. So I think that without Odar, like that's an interesting question because Mm -hmm. Esther was able to gain so much power within Odar. Is she now going to be able to cultivate that same obsession in this, I guess, new slash original version of Odar without Sally involved? And I like to think that she has a better relationship, to be honest.
4: I think that in, you know, maybe... 60-75% 60-75% of conceivable timelines, um, Esther's decisions regarding her family, or at the very least just Miriam, I think, are um, a little bit better thought out. I think that uh, a lot of power, like uh, Esther received a lot of power that she wasn't expecting her to receive very quickly. And she she is aware, she's aware, especially in the later episodes, that she doesn't handle it the best way that she could. And she doesn't apologize for those decisions, but that doesn't mean that she's never thought back on how she could have done these things differently and I feel like if the circumstances were different um, I feel like Esther has the capacity to have made a decision that made decisions that wouldn't have been as hurtful and therefore wouldn't have like irreparably damaged that relationship Mm. in the way that we saw back in um, Home. So yeah, I'd like to think Mm -hmm. it it would be. That's hopeful but yeah. (laughs) As the resident
2: um, like Esther Roberts stands Danielle and I talk a lot about (laughs) Esther Roberts and what she would and wouldn't do and I think that There's a certain amount of that wisdom that would come with, like, time. You know, she worked for Odar for whatever, what, 12 years or whatever? And, like, between 1943 and 1955 without Odar, I like to think that there's the capacity for her to learn these things. But I don't know. It's not 100% certain, but there's probably more than a plurality, like, more than a majority
4: chance. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think, yeah, I think there's there's hope in the the timeline that we leave on. And I think that's a nice, I don't know, sentiment, I guess. I, I mean, I'm literally talking about like, oh, look, at I like the thing that I made.
2: Well, it's also cool because like the way that 36 was written and that's a testament to the three writers who wrote 36 is that like a. you get the good ending and you get the bad ending and you get the ambiguous ending all at once. You get all yeah. of them.
4: All possible timelines because with oh. a
6: time machine, you can have your cakes and eat them too before you had them. And now they're still, and there's more. and there's cake. Cakes the cake. Oh, there's cake cakes so cake double there's cake
4: good. Paradoxa cake. That's the side podcast that and, and paradox cakes, like somebody needs oh my to God, bake and those. there's like a
1: cupcake at the middle that's like the tachyon. oh man. And I want to make this cake.
6: <laughs> See, and it, I thought it, I wouldn't cake? contribute anything See, to this it, conversation. It, there <laughs> we go. Thank you, Kristen.
0: Uh, The next question from Tina is, did y'all purposefully name Anthony after a bird? Because I know I'm late to the party here, but ouch, I thought we were friends. Don't look at me.
1: Um, To answer your question, Anthony Partridge as a character was conceived of as the person who would end up in the black room. And I was tickled by the idea of he's a partridge in a pear tree
2: on the first day. See, I liked the idea of a bird trapped in a cage forever, so I'm pretty sure it was intentional. So I think between the two of us, it was mostly intentional. It was mostly Fair. intentional. And mostly,
5: probably in to mostly intentional. <laughs> <laughs> and it just works out a lot better for Helen, I think. Yeah,
6: yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's yeah. true. That marketing, though. That's what
4: we're really here for.
2: What's funny is that Anthony Partridge was literally the first character we ever created for the show. And we created him backwards from being the person in the black room. to so like, who is this person? And so Helen's story came out of that. And like the fact that Helen also uses the name Partridge and she has this whole like breaking free of her cage plot. Like it all worked out really nice.
4: Coming out of my cage. And um, yeah. So uh,
2: I,
1: I think that's probably the only name that has an has like big significance to the character other than I guess Roberts. And that's only really of an identity kind of thing. But um, yeah, it, it was those it was, those it was kind of intentional. Um, we like to hurt you just a little. <laughs> Checks it's out. just like it's like spicy food, you know. You get the kick, but like that's it's all the more earned when you get the the buffalo wing under it.
4: I feel like blanket answer for like if Misha and Dan were trying to hurt you at any given point, like the answer is probably yes.
0: (laughs) Um, I'm glad we can uh. leave our listeners with that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean,
4: we used to have the like, I mean, that's true for all the writers. That's how you guys got us, right? Like Eli's whole thing was hey, if uh, it's offline games until Eli has an idea, right? (laughs) 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 Oh my God.
0: That's true. I have the highest body count. <laughs> it's
7: very
4: yeah. true. And counting. <laughs> highest body
0: count. It's true. It's in like the 30s or 40s. 40s. And I've most been of them are
4: children. Most Jesus. of them are the 40s? children. I thought Jesus. it was uh, I, it's at
1: least 30 from plastic 33
4: is also uh added to her body count. I've been keeping a list of this and oh, staring yeah, at her pointedly yeah, yeah. in pointed moments and saying, "Think about what you've done. <laughs> Think about it."
0: I don't. I never do. <laughs> You're doing us a service, Danielle. Uh, the next question comes from ours questions. Which Dan, do you want to explain what that is for the listeners? Yeah.
1: So we have some wonderful fans, as some of you know. Um. Uh. Uh. And uh. The the pe- the group of people who have been decrypting all of our devious codes uh, are just some incredible group of people. Uh. I want to shout out all of you, but I don't know. You're. I. I like keeping you the anonymous decryption team, but like you know who you are. And they sent. Uh, uh us some number codes uh, and when dec- when decoded led to a secret Twitter account that was filled with questions for us. And so Aww. I don't know. that was wonderful and our fans what a are the best
0: thing. And Our fans I are so cool.
1: They're was crying famous. at work over how beautiful My it was and how happy it made me.
0: I cry about them a lot. <laughs> All right, amazing first off. Uh, but the first question that they sent us is, do you think Petra and Carmen still managed to meet, even though the plasticity stuff should never have happened now? Mm. We actually talked a little bit about this question beforehand, um, Misha and I, and the answer is most likely not. Yeah. So the, the Petra oh, that went damn. back in time, yes, she did meet Carmen, but uh, due to the nature of the plasticity experiments, the government took children from all yeah. over the country because they didn't want a concentrated amount of kids' being, you know, going missing to be noticeable. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. uh, Carmen and Petra are from different parts of the country, and this likely would never meet. Oh my god. That isn't to say they they didn't lead, like, happy and fulfilled lives. They're hanging out with
2: Archie. That also isn't to say that, like, their relationship isn't important and like it still matters like even yes, even the aborted time if we learned anything from episode 36 yeah. even the aborted timelines matter like they still matter. happened, and they still affect you
4: yes. wait a minute that's so important misha yes i literally wrote this down because again i listened to arc 3 like today in preparation <laughs> for this it's like i think you know as well as i do that everything that's happened and everything that hasn't happened still matters it still matters guys the stories matter
0: <laughs> i have you a lot could, of feelings <laughs> as long as everyone's good emotionally after all that Uh, We're going to move on to the next question, uh, which is from Mo. And Mo asks, did Jack ever know about Esther being gay? He's oblivious enough to suggest chat. So this is a valid question.
2: Oh, he knew here's there's two camps. I think there's the (laughs) camp of he knew and liked to poke fun at Esther about it just to make sure that like she knew he was supportive, but like, that he knew about the cultural context. Right. And so that was where the chat thing came from. Or the other camp, which is he had no idea the entire time they were friends.
4: There was, um, I, I think that's like sort of where I thought about it, Misha, because like when he said it, he sounded pretty like genuine. Yeah, and I kind of um, like the second one. Yeah, and the second, one, the second one is, like, okay, we have Oblivious Jack, but it's also, like, it would never matter to Jack, but it also never came up, because it also speaks to the idea that there was never anything romantic between, like, Esther and Jack, and, like, there was never any thought of that, like, whatsoever, like, their friendship was perfectly good, like platonically you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so and so yeah. much of that like gets clouded when there's heteronormatively there's like you know a woman and a man that are like friends or whatever so you, you think they're gonna be romantically involved and like that was never the case with them so
2: yeah like, with
1: yeah. with Jack our token straight character um, <laughs> I think that
6: every show needs one <laughs> Yeah, you gotta That's give him it. It. a bone.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's he didn't have an idea. I think maybe if he like really interrogated his feelings, he might uh, uh be able to uh, be able to suss that out. But I think yeah, I think it just it just never came up because he's just friends with Esther, and you know you're just friends with people.
4: That that said though, if he'd stuck around, like the timeline of like Jack leaving and Bridget showing up in Point of Exile had like overlapped. I think it would have been pretty damn obvious. Oh, yeah, no, he wouldn't figure it out. He just do <laughs> not I don't, did, I don't I think, I don't think he made it, it. out. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I think,
1: honestly, he didn't make it far enough um, for uh, Esther to be at a point in her life where she felt comfortable expressing herself that way, even in her private life. Um, because even though we imply that she was out in college, um, it definitely seems like she is not that person by the time the show comes along. Then again, we don't really see much of uh, Esther's uh, social life. So who knows?
0: Um, Our next question comes from Carly uh, and they ask how much time passed for Nikhil between when he left Mateo and when he was pulled out of the water by Sally. Did he do the whole trip in one day or was it like weeks slash months? I'm assuming he didn't go as slow as the kids because of plasticity. He says that it's only been an hour between his two meetings with Petra.
5: Um, I think we had talked about this um, and it's definitely not like a matter of Hours. I think I think the whole trip in Nikhil's mind is like over the course of a year jumping back to anchor from his current timeline. Is, is that incorrect, Misha? I think that's right. uh,
2: I don't ever really think that was nailed down. I always sort of imagined it as I don't think I ever imagined a year. I think I imagine more like a few weeks, a month, maybe.
0: Yeah, I pictured a couple of months. I'll personally. be real. I imagined like a day. So basically, no, not
5: more hours. than so. So basically, not more than a year. I know for a fact that it's definitely a sizable amount of time because he does follow the kids. Like not like he doesn't live with the kids throughout every single timeline, but he definitely follows their path and spends some time in each of those different timelines. So I definitely don't think it's like a day. And I would say it's not more than a year. Um, So there's only like a 365% like variance in there. (laughs) Uh, Actually, like actually, Uh, actually 3650%. But anyway,
1: I actually could even believe that it's more than a month because, you know, following those kids, um, they they spent a lot of time. What what was the, the rules, Eli? Like, what was the the schedule of how they were sent back? Was it like one year every like Three months or something. We there was oh, a man. schedule, I, I actually had that. this
0: written down. I, I spent yeah. a lot of time planning this and oh, yeah. I've completely forgotten.
4: <laughs> no, it was at like the decade was like the
2: <laughs> well, and that's part of what we're doing here is that, like, yes, we're gonna answer some questions based on what we think, but I want to say this like blanket for the whole of this inside ours paradox Don't take mm-hmm. what we're saying here as canon. Like if we left that hole in the show and you guys like a different head canon answer. Go for it. Uh, except mm-hmm. for Archie, though. Archie is canon safe. Oh, yeah. Archie's mm-hmm. canon. Um, but like if you think Nikhil did the entire jump in a day, like that's valid. If you think they, that he took a couple of years about it, that's valid. Like whatever fits your fan fiction better, I guess. We yeah. didn't say it in the show. So like
4: do whatever you want. Yeah, we're all just writing uh, head- uh, headcanons and fanfic over here at this point as well. So like
1: <laughs> like at this point, that's all it was like that was I. I the original show was just it was just a bunch of lore that Misha and I had that we eventually just were forced to make into something. Like I, I, I was a fan of ours Paradoxica before I made ours Paradoxica, and so like, yeah, really, it, this is this is for everyone. Um, yeah, don't don't take this all too seriously. We're trying to answer some questions because I don't know. I'm sure it's fun to hear from us. I think it's fun to hear from the the people who make the things I like, uh, and I also think it's nice that. Everything's over, and we don't have to talk about. Well, we have a secret plan that we can't really tell you about God. this. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of fun.
6: Yeah, that's like my go to in any conversation about ours paradoxical. when I don't know how to answer answer a question. I'd be like, well, it's a secret coming up, and you'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> and now what do I do?
0: Yeah. <laughs> now you got nothing. Um, <laughs> I got objection. With that, wrapping up the plot questions, we get a question from Anthony and also a couple other people ask the same question, which is, what exactly do Sally's colleagues back in 20 Beep think happened to her? Also, assuming that they didn't fade out of existence like the McFly siblings. I can't imagine that they think she's dead because they're smart enough to know that matter can't be destroyed. And I'm sure that there weren't any pieces of Sally left behind after the initial disappearance. So what do they think happened and how long did they spend trying to figure it out?
4: Wait a minute, okay, so, like, okay, we all definitely spent a whole lot of time talking about this, but I want to part the kimono a little bit and say that I actually had, like, an entire episode, the first episode, the 16, when before it was, like, what it is, before it was Greenhouse, like, that was initially the thing that I wanted to write about. The whole thing with the cell phone started like, OK, so what if we went back? Like the whole thing with the voicemails was like, OK, so what if we go back? Like, guys, what did happen? What's going on with her friends? Like, where are her lab assistants? Didn't she live with someone? Didn't she just disappear? And it was going to be this whole mystery. And I couldn't get it together. Like we couldn't I, I couldn't figure out like what where that story would go. But I just want to know want you guys to know that there are notebooks and like yarn paths and walls of like red string conspiracy boards red string yeah. conspiracy boards of like what what happened and Can't also I know fair. the names of her friends so like um,
2: <laughs> I think that this is a tough one because in our original original QDAM way back 8 years ago conception of the rules as soon as you travel back in time anything forward from the point you traveled back from doesn't exist because it never had the chance to happen mm-hmm. but as we went on in the show, we found it narratively convenient to muddy that line a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know if her friends continued to exist after she left or not. I'm I I I'm the story editor, and I don't
6: know. I think there's a whole other podcast there. I mean, <laughs> as the woman that played Sally, if she wasn't there, then it didn't exist. Because that's,
7: <laughs> <it all laughs> <and all laughs> that's
6: so real. Wow.
7: Right. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs>
1: Uh I agree that this is that that uh uh it is it is intentionally obscure what people in the future think, but I couldn't help but imagine that um uh uh they would um, that uh, that this is sort of a Dr. Manhattan situation, except she doesn't reconstitute reconstitute herself as like a demigod. Um and, Wait, she and doesn't? It, yeah, oh, only in fuck. the uh oh, the oh X timeline.
6: I played that so wrong. <laughs>
1: You were John Osterman the whole time. <laughs>
6: um, yeah, if they
2: if they continue to exist, they probably think she was um, evaporated or, yeah. you
4: know, like redistributed into atoms. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like to think there's a PBS after school show like Ghostwriter-esque where, like, you know, three of her friends, like her lab assistant, Ooh, two of her friends like go it. looking for her. Oh, what a good <laughs> ghostwriter. Oh, my God. So
1: Yo, can we can we shut off this recording and hide this so we can make a new show?
4: Hey, if you're out there, write this fan fiction for me, please. <laughs> I'll give you the names. I, I'll give you everything you need.
3: <laughs> I just want to see the show <clears throat> where, like, I want to see that show be made. And it, but, but the whole thing is framed with a device of, okay, we have to solve this before we get fired.
0: <laughs> yeah. I do appreciate that.
1: Yeah. That was uh, actually in one of the original pilots, was that um, one of the things that Sally mentions is that um, they were, they're like on their last week of funding. And like they <laughs> shit is like falling down around them and they're at their very last leg. So they have to like rush a test. Um, classic mm. half-life.
0: Uh, moving on to our behind the scenes questions. The first one Ooh. is from Artemis and they ask, where did you come up with the sound for the timepiece?" I feel like this is a Misha question.
2: Oh, um, the sound of the timepiece uh was one of the very early things I came up with in the show that, We came up with uh, during the QDAM days, which was back when we were in college and doing like ancillary bits before Sally Grissom came onto the scene. Um, I actually I made that sound effect, gosh, like 2012, I think. And I knew that the dramatic energy of having the timepiece start at zero and having to like spool up to something like, have it build in energy to mm-hmm. a critical moment was important to me. Mm-hmm. So I needed to find something that, like, spins and spools up and gains energy as it, as it starts up. So uh, the basis of that sound is a helicopter starting. Whoa. Okay. Um, and, and then, then you know. um, you know there's, like, a crackle of energy, and there's there's sort of a, a warping of space, and there's, like, a big sort of low reverberant warp that happens that you can't really hear with like iPod headphones. So I I ended up cutting that part of the sound pretty quickly. And then the the go is it's like thunder and there's a zap. And I'm pretty sure that there's still parts of like the duplication machine from the prestige in there.
1: (laughs) Uh, In fact, one of the earlier versions, speaking of flagrant violations, of the copyright law, one of the early versions of that sound had the Neuralizer played backwards. The sound of the Neuralizer from Men
2: in Black. It's true. Um, We cut that part out. Uh, The rest of it mostly stayed. And then once I had the initial sound, we used pretty much the same sound through all of season one. And then um, as they built smaller versions of the timepiece, I would just sort of like take the sound I already had and scale it down.
0: (laughs) All right. The uh, next question is from Ava and is where slash at what point did you come up with the idea to have the whole show framed as broadcast from Nikhil and Mateo? Cal
2: Oh. <laughs> this was
0: like a two-step process. Yeah, this was definitely a two-step process. <laughs> this
2: is this is a two-part question. The part one is at what point in the show's writing did you know that it was going to be broadcast by someone? And at what point in the show did you know that that someone was Mateo? Yeah. Um, Dan, do you want to uh, take the first bit? Yeah. Yeah, to answer question A, um, before there was a
1: show, like the mm-hmm. entire idea was, or rather, the idea of of ours paradoxic as a show, I, I I made it, I tried to make it very clear in the in the pilot that um, there is someone with agency who is taking these who's finding these audio files uh, and who is editing them, who is assembling them together, who's doing things uh, like you there. There's like bits of static in the pilot that you'll notice. And like, that's very intentional. Um, The bleeping of 20 XX, that is um, definitely Odar uh, censoring their own recordings. But the show was initially framed as like there is this story of like someone found all these tapes and the idea was that someone from the future found like found out the truth about Odar and uh, uh, wants to d- dismantle that by sh- by showing the real truth. And then uh, we we knew what had to be someone and we didn't really hammer down who that was until our, our writing camp. And um uh it, it 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 just when we when it was proposed i forgot who proposed it, it maybe
5: did toe. i
4: remember this very well oh. let's,
5: let's let toe answer this question <laughs> so i kind of like i kind of like backwards pitched it in that i like kind of wanted to pitch it but i wanted someone else to say it first so it was like just like very like manipulative so okay so, so here's my reasoning for it is um so following everything you said dan like um it needs to be somebody in the future and there's only one person in the entire show besides um, <laughs> you know there's all, there's basically only one person in the entire show who you know is a major character that is farther ahead is from a farther place in time than anybody else and that's Mateo and i guess also like his boss but but, but pretty much Mateo <laughs> so so i knew so i knew that it had to be him but then I kind of really wanted it to be Mateo and Nicole because I feel like this show for all of us has really been like a labor of love, and I really wanted this broadcast even in the Canon to be a labor of love mm-hmm. um, so it was really important to me that the two of them do it together um, so when it came up so when it came up in camp, um I kind of did it as a hmm it can't really be Sally because blah blah blah, I can't really be like Anthony Partridge because blah blah blah. and then somebody was like, geez that who does that leave us with? I guess like Nikola Mateo and I was like, mm, I guess I could do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly like, what happened. I could yes. write that bit. And then and then basically um when it came time to like actually write the finale, I basically pitched like, hey, I would like to wrap up the show in this way. And these are the scenes that I want to write with Nikila Mateo. And I didn't even really say that it's gonna the sh- the whole show is gonna end in this way. I was like, I just like quietly wrote the scene and sent it to y'all, and then it was just like, they're gonna read it and see how they feel about it. And I'm so glad y'all kept it.
4: This was a part of, like, I, I remember a part of camp that was, like, because I remember being the one that said it, but not because, like, okay, I, I'm I definitely, I was sitting next to Toe pretty much the entire time going, like, yeah, no, that, that one, that one. Because I'm always, like, I feel like I was always very team, like, number one, bring Nikhil back. How do we bring Nikhil back? What do we do with this? Like, I love him. Um, but also, like... Red string conspiracy theory has been my thing since I started like write, writing this thing. So I've always, I feel like I've kind of always like leaned towards like connective tissue. So like I was obsessed with the pumpkin papers just like the fans were. And yeah. like I was obsessed with like, okay, so how do we like the friends in the future? Like what did they think happened? And like it was also like, okay, so who's Caltrip after all this time? We can't just not write it again. Mm-hmm. Like Caltrip.
2: Oh man. Yeah, I should say really quickly that we before we knew it was Mateo, we had a bunch of different code oh names uh, for them. We knew we were never going to keep them. We knew it was going to end up being
3: another thing, but like for a very long time the code name was Caltrop. It took so long to find something else that we liked yeah. and like two years. Uh, just, just so
2: y'all know, the the code the code name for the timepiece before we settled on timepiece was Long Count, which is a reference to the Mayan Long Count calendar. Mm. So, like, this is how far back this code name goes, and we only figured out like who it was. A year before we wrote That's the episode. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: uh, Long count was actually a Julian um edition before he joined the team back oh wow back really? again a million oh, years God. ago. Yeah, that was his idea. Sure was. Um oh wow. Uh and before before it was Caltrip, actually after it was Caltrip, at any time you were listening to the show, we were kind of we were referring to it internally as the loose end, capital T L E hmm. just because I don't know, it was a loose end and is a better name than Caltrip, or the idea of like, I don't know, it's a caltrip, it's a like a a tiny spike that um, soldiers would leave on a ground. And so it's hard to walk over. It was like a spike Um, in Odar's wheel or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then before that, uh, uh, this is some real like throwback shit. Like back in college, one of our, one of our friends uh, had a, um, had a new roommate that we didn't know who they were, but we did know their initials were ZS uh, and then, so for a while, we joked that 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 person was Caltrip. And so we called them ZS for a while before we called them Caltrip, before we called them the loose end, before they were Mateo. Hashtag who is ZS. Yeah, that was back in the million years. That was back when Toe was my RA in college. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, that was back in p
4: Guys, remember when uh, Caltrip was Ben Quigley? And there was Oh that my whole God, thing? he was him for a hot minute. Whoa. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it took us a while to get there, but um, I I'm really
3: really happy with Matteo as the yeah. choice. Yeah, yeah, it
2: was it's the right answer, the
4: best epiphany. Moment. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's pretty amazing that like just as a as a sort of like synchronicity thing that it took us so long to find the mole in our own story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like two solid years of puzzling over the identity of this person, what their deal was. Uh, just sort of what the motivations would be, what the hell to call them, because we would i have these conversations that we would sit down for like 10 minutes, like, okay, guys, we're going to think up a real, like a better name for Caltrop, and then we would talk about something else. And we'd
5: not do it. We just wouldn't do it. Well, I want to be clear that, okay, so I know this is going to sound like very like evil mastermindy. I was very, I was pretty much set on Mateo from having written Don. Because mm-hmm. because basically in <laughs> Dawn is it's in Dawn is when it's revealed that like June comes up with this system for all the anchorites to communicate with each other and Mateo is the only one who can kind of, you know, interpret all of those designs and like create that, you know, numbers station at the very end. Um and so so like when I say like, oh, I kind of waited for everyone else to come around to Mateo before saying anything, I don't want it to sound like, oh, I just like enjoy manipulating people for the hell of it. <laughs> the reason I the reason I came about it that way is because, you know, I think all of us have different characters that we kind of own a little bit. And, you know, like, you know, I think, um, you know, Eli in particular is like kind of an authority on Petra, right? And, you know... Um, Danielle is like really, really passionate about Esther and like for me it's Nikhil and Mateo and I just didn't want to be like well my characters are going to be the solution to everything so that's why I wanted other people to kind of come around to it first and then kind of meekly take on the job like um, not because you, you, you yeah. can't
2: you can't take the role you have to begrudgingly accept it as it's thrust upon you exactly
5: <laughs> um, I was also a political science major so yeah. oh
7: my
6: god
0: the next question comes from Slother and uh, the question is, did you keep changing the year that Kristen said for 20 bleep?
6: <laughs> well, I believe we
1: changed it once. Kristen. Actually, no, Kristen, this
0: is you. I would oftentimes
6: just say a year mm-hmm. and a year because I couldn't remember which one it was supposed to be. <laughs>
2: We, we started recording the show in uh early 2015 so we
6: said 2015 at first no we said 2017 no, we, start, at we first. said
2: 2017 at first and then we never changed it even when it became 2018 and you still and were then saying we tried 2017 20, 27. um the the reason i went with 17 to start with is because it's the longest um teen number and i just wanted like more time to bleep over less i wanted the choice um and Solid. then but i will i will say um i had other people say different years uh i'm pretty sure uh arjun always said 2025 yeah i remember i'm pretty sure uh petra didn't say anything for a while and then when it finally came up i was like just give me a year and leah the gem that she is was like 2069 nice because we are nothing if not on brand (laughs) at all times the the canon year just so
1: you know the canon year is there is no year it is sometime in the 21st century i i personally think it's Probably the beginning of the 21st century, but that's on you. It's slightly in the future of where
2: the listener is.
1: Yes. Yeah. It was always 2025 in my mind. Uh, uh, I personally liked 2017 because it was slightly in the future, but not too far in the future. Until it wasn't <laughs> anymore. Yeah, well, then <laughs> right. it just got funny because um, I knew that I, I like did the math. and I was like, well, if we keep going for three seasons, it's going to be 2018 by the time we're done. That's funny um That's no one funny. will ever no one will ever get to know this incredibly obscure number thing except for me and misha and maybe Kristen. but n- now we get to share it with all of you the internet
0: there we go uh the next question is kind of a rapid fire question and it is what is your favorite line read oh, oh gosh
3: mm. Ooh. Um, oh this is
0: uh, guys
2: uh guys it it might it might be butt sticks. I was just
7: gonna say
5: that. Yeah, <laughs> I was is real literally good. just gonna say it that. It
2: might be
0: Robin Gabrielli Butt Sticks. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad we're all on the same page for that.
2: That Robin Gabrielli, master, master of the cold read, um, for the most part, like didn't read the scripts until we sat down and then would bang them, bang up these glorious mm-hmm. audio tracks. And doing curses with Robin was some of the most fun I've ever had as a voice director. Like watching his like he really dove into that final bit of curses and just seeing his face like puff up as he like kept oh himself God. from saying these bad words until the very last minute was beautiful and then all of that energy came out in
5: butt sticks, sticks. <laughs> and it beautiful. might be my favorite thing okay oh, throw a blooper in there though so go for it okay so i I, I, th- I mean this obviously didn't make it into the final cut but one of my absolute favorites is when um N- um, Nikhil and Sally are in the car together and um, Arjun is, re- is you know, so So Sally is talking about oh you know I'm ace you know but you know I still want to have meaningful relationships with my friends and Nikhil says you are you are going to have meaningful relationships with your friends it's going to be different and then one day you'll meet people who understand you and then you're finally going to get to fuck Nikhil Sharma <laughs> and <laughs> I fucking <laughs> my
7: yeah, that's- with that because
5: he just said it's so straight faced I like didn't even think about it twice. Didn't notice it And then I was like, oh, fuck, wait, never
4: mind. From that same episode, though, um, I know one that I like every time. I I don't know. I find myself chuckling about this randomly a lot of the time Um, when Nikhil and Sally are drunk. Um, in the after the hotel after the like jazz club or whatever, um, something about Chichinitsa. You simply <laughs> must go to Chichinitsa.
7: Oh that's that's
5: yeah. based on one of my drunk fraternity brothers telling me that exact same thing and that exact <laughs> no. voice, oh my God. and yeah, no. that's where that came from.
4: That's my favorite line read, but also to get in the feels. Uh, and this is uh, probably one for me and Misha. Um, I like um. Erev is the day for it mm. Oh god yes. um, Sammy Lappin. Erev yeah. is the day yes. for it uh, And also you, Next fucking question yeah. From Esther uh, Roberts Oh
1: wait I, I'm a big fan Of the line read uh, In 35 When Petra Has stolen um, the uh, A letter from Miriam to Esther um, There's There's just a, a Point where <laughs> Uh, she's oh, yeah. giving, uh, uh, Petra is giving it back under the guise of being like, oh, I got your mail somehow. <laughs> and she, That's she's just like, that like doesn't a,
2: make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: we don't even live in each other. And uh, uh, Le- Leah, Petra goes, yeah, I know. So weird. And it's so fun. It gets me every time. It's just the funniest thing. It's very. Good. I just
0: really love how Leo peros said, especially just the enunciation of that one word and I don't even remember the line but she was like especially especially and I was like oh my god say it girl Please? oh
2: that was in 36 <laughs> probably during the like the final villain monologue where she's oh. like all the things that have happened but especially especially, yeah, especially the things especially. that
0: especially.
4: haven't happened special shout out to um, Ai-chan for the little baby <sighs> oh, oh my, my god, god. ai that like <laughs> that that whole like where she's on the verge of crying to yeah! Van yeah.
2: like she oh. honestly we um, when I directed Ai-chan, Ai-chan was it, like Literally nine years old when we recorded this thing. Mm. And she, you know, we threw a lot of big words at her.
0: She has six so cutest line read. <laughs> Like yeah. that is
2: And so, so she was like, we were all set to do this monologue piecemeal and like step by step and like sentence by sentence. And then she got in there and was and just did the whole thing. And like what ended up in the show, I think, is maybe the amalgam of two or three takes. Out of like the ten that we did, and like by the by the end of it, she just like nailed it. Oh it was I was so proud of her. So
6: impressive! She's so cute. She's so cute. <laughs> and, um,
3: this is this is maybe less of a single line read, but I I'll narrow it down to one of these parts. Um, there's that whole section in um, I'm gonna forget episode numbers, but um, the 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 scene or the sequence rather where Sally is. Doing that series of calls to the black room to try to get in touch with Anthony and Kristen, oh, yeah. you still kill me on that last call where you're just like, "Hey, listen, I'll be here if you're still alive oh, and want to talk. Love I love you." Love you buddy. I'll when see when you around. Mish was
6: directing me with that, it was like each like message just had to get like we. I think, did we do the seven stages of grief? Yeah, we yeah, did. Like the five that,
3: stages I, of grief. I wrote that um, to happen, and then you, uh, you did it. And I it's like I wasn't even involved. It was so cool.
6: Oh, It was fucking heartbreaking.
2: I will say, like, it's cool because I'm the kind of like go between between the writing team and the acting team and translating like what the writer wants into how to get the actor to do it was one of like a my big challenges on the show, but b like one of the most fun parts of the process.
0: I mean,
6: you're also very good at it. Yes, Thank you. putting that Thank out, you. out there.
2: Hands down. This is this is, I will say, the first time I've ever voice voice directed any show ever. So like if you <laughs> think you can't do it, *Ours paradoxical is my first one, you can do it. Yeah.
0: You nailed it. Okay, uh, so the next question is from Julia Rose, which is not me. It's not who you think. Are just you sure? for the record. Uh-huh. Um, and I have to preface that because their first question is, because I love you guys and I also love Spirits Podcast, <laughs> <laughs> what would an in-universe episode of Spirits uh-huh. look like? And actually, Misha and I talked about this a little bit. but Misha, For a while,
2: wanna... uh, when we were doing minisodes in season two, we did talk about doing like a Halloween one where mm-hmm. it was like urban legends around Point of Exile, where because this is like, for all intents and purposes, the world capital of time travel, I can imagine people popping in and out of existence, Mm -hmm. anachronistic objects or items or things that age like 10 times their age in a single second. Mm -hmm. And like all of these little urban myths that would come out of the stuff that odar does but if you didn't know that it was time travel you know can you guys
0: actually do an urban legends episode about the philadelphia experiment itself yo i would love yeah to. that'd be real at good at some point i will hey, i will grab hey, one julia of you to call do that. me call me <laughs> um. i will grab you to do that at some point dan i promise Podcast, call me. all right uh the next question from julia is uh will we ever get a time swimmers sequel
2: Uh, low, the lowest chances, maybe the highest chances, probably. I will, I'll say this. Um, I guess this is the first time, um, I was driving in traffic. I was driving in my car, um, on my way to my job at Wondery and I was just kind of like letting my mind drift. I was listening to a podcast. Don't even remember what it was, but all of a sudden I just had like this eureka moment and I, like at the first moment I had, I pulled out my notebook and I just wrote down the phrase time swimmers to the swimming.
0: Oh my God. (laughs) I want so, that. So t- this is why that's we're That's about as far as we've gotten. Honestly, but- I think that's all we need. Does it, like, <laughs> does
6: it really need to go farther? Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. The time.
1: Times. Uh, uh, it's sad because I feel like time swimmers is better the less there is of it. Like the like the the more you look into that, the the less um, I don't know novel and beautiful it is. That said, I we really like time swimmers and it was so much fun. It's so silly uh, and especially you know,
2: after like we did that after Tuesday. Two seasons of Ars Paradoxica, which is like one of the saddest shows so ever. Intense. And just to do something that Sorry. was so like wonderfully joyous. And that's part of like why I really enjoy working on Star or Julian, is because like after three after three to eight years working on Ars Paradoxica, finally I get to do something funny and joyous.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? The Farmeridian isn't funny and joyous? Yeah, <laughs> Misha, Hey. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Ooh. God, I was so like, I love Ars Paradoxica with um, with an acuteness that I don't think I've really gotten to experience in a lot of other places in my life. But by the end of it, um, I was so tired and I think <laughs> I've spoken about this in other places, but I really I needed to, to recharge our batteries. Yeah. Some yeah, yeah. Some. Yeah.
2: So Time Stormers is part of that. And um, I don't know, it's this beautiful jewel of campy goodness. I love it so much.
0: Uh, the next question comes from Megan, who is part of the ours questions twi- secret Twitter account, which is still amazing. Uh, one of uh, one thing that's always interested me is the inclusion of queer characters, both from Whoa. Twenty Blank and Odar, especially given the time period. It'd be interesting to hear how you went about including such representation and having an appropriate slash timely mood to discuss them in. Okay. Hmm. so
4: a bunch of us are big old queers. Mm-hmm. Um, There's Fair. that. spoilers us Spoilers.
0: spoilers. What? Us? Nah. Us queers?
4: I I um I don't know. I think the Sally's aceness, uh, I believe was one of the bigger conversations that we had like when mm-hmm. I came well you yeah, no no, 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 we should start with Nikhil. well, uh, well <laughs> I was I was just gonna say yeah. on the
2: point of Sally's aceness, like Sally's aceness was always sort of because we wanted Sally to be an action character and to, for everything to be more plot driven regarding her. Yeah. And then yeah. we didn't we didn't think it was important to say out loud and then the fans told us that it was so we did.
4: And then mm-hmm. we said it was important. Yeah. All, I remember we had the conversation in the Slack like no guys we should I think we should say it explicitly because there's this whole thing in the media where they're like you know they just sort of leave it ambiguous and like we, it's sort of understood and then we were like no if we can find a way to organically do it I remember us being very uh Staunch on the point of, like, if we can find a way to do it organically, I want to actually say those words, just like it would be important to say the word, like, bisexual because that erasure is there in the media. And, like, it was super important, like, um, I mean, at least, like, to me and to, uh, like, a bunch of us, we were just sort of like, yeah, no, we should figure out a way to say this if we can. Like, because, yeah, why not? our podcast.
6: when when Misha, like, approached me about it. It was like, because we'd only done, like, a few episodes. And Misha was like... Hey, so just so you like know, um, I've got like, you know, like kind of big plot points coming up, like we're where one of the characters in the show is gonna be a lesbian. And I was like, who is it? <laughs> Tell and me. They, and then they were like, not you. I was like, why? <laughs> and then Wait, they were like, because Sally's gonna be ace. I was like, Okay,
4: that's like a better idea, you're right. (laughs) Misha (laughs) pitched the show, like to me, as a writer, that conversation we had on that one May day in 2016. um, I was still listening to RS Paradoxica and I hadn't gotten to episode 13 yet, which Mm -hmm. um, for those of you, the unindoctrinated is the... uh, is, I believe, the episode where we find um, Esther and Bridget um, Mm -hmm. in bed together. We were calling uh, it Queer Ear.
1: Yeah, and so
4: I said, I I believe there were a series of exclamation points, and it was like, is it, is that what I, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, okay, okay, okay. I'm calming down, I'm calming down, I'm in. Let's do more of this, please. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I
2: think part of what happened was... um, season one was all plot. It was like, like we really conceived of the show out of the lore and the plot and not so much the characters. And so mm-hmm. when we finished season one, we looked at what we'd made and it was pretty white and pretty, uh, <laughs> like not queer yeah. enough for me, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. oh, and so me either. Yeah. So, so when we, we made season two, we were like, let's not do that. And let's put People of color in history because they were there, and Whoa. let's put yeah. queer people in history because they were there.
5: Well, so so basically, you know, I was a fan of the show in season one, but that was kind of like my main critique of it. Um, so when I ca- so when I came onto the show, I'm pretty sure like that was one of my conditions. I was like, this show needs to have brown people in it, same, um, and it needs to have queer people in it. And at that time, um, Anchor was scheduled to come out before Asset, so mm-hmm. we didn't have da- we didn't at the time we didn't have. Um, David Marion and Lou Gaines yet, um, so I was like, if I want there to be POC in this world, I literally have to drop them out of thin air, like by the hand of God, <laughs> yeah, and amazing. that's like why Nikhil just like appeared there, air.
7: Um,
5: because nobody ever, nobody ever pictures South Asian people existing in the '50s in the West, mm. um, even though they've been everywhere. So that, so that was that was like one, that was like one part of it. But I know to speak to the specific question about queerness. Um, I think it was really important um, to kind of one, begin showing like more explicitly Sally's aceness with like Nikhil coming onto her and she's kind of like, no, what are you talking about? And then it becomes like much more explicit two episodes later. But then mm-hmm. also showing um, Nikhil's queerness because, you know, obviously Nikhil and Mateo are, you know, very, you know, Nikhil is very clearly bisexual. But um, we just don't see, uh, we, in media, we always see queer characters or we see POC characters and it's very rare we see. Queer people of color characters. And if we Mm -hmm. do, um, we never see them get it on with another queer person of color character. Um, And it's always really important for me to have that kind of like wish fulfillment in a show. Like it sucks that if I wanna see. Two queer people of color getting it on. I have to get a Star subscription to watch American Gods. (laughs) That's ridiculous. That like you can literally have like every permutation of identity fucking on Game of Thrones, except like queer people of color. So it's like so so that that for me was why I was like, this is why Nikhil and Mateo need to exist. And I know that there are some people who really hate that. Um, and hate. Hey, and they can
2: go listen to another
5: podcast. Yes, together. I'm just gonna be like slurp slurp motherfuckers (laughs) because. (laughs) like this is yeah it's just gonna be gross yeah it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be gay as hell and like because people were fine with with Bridget and um with Bridget and Esther Mm -hmm. so it was just like you know why is there that squeamishness around you know male there was so
2: much backlash when Nikhil and Mateo had their kiss scene and yeah. i was like where were y'all eight months ago when two women
3: were kissing oh you were getting off to it because
4: yeah.
2: you're asshole exactly
4: and like even even that's like
3: i i just felt like throughout the writing of the show i definitely after the first season saw that like oh no we're in an awkward position here we didn't think about this um but i don't know i uh, I, I might be one of the straightest Whitest people on this team. Uh, yeah, but like, sorry, I, but I'm still so like I I am more interested now in in writing Ars Paradoxica and in writing Star Tripper and writing so many more things and looking at the the way stories are being told now, it's just so much more interesting to investigate those characters and not in the tired ways that Hollywood and mm-hmm. the other machinery have been doing for so long. Like there's so much rich soil to plant in there
1: i mean i feel like a lot of characters who have who have marginalized identities i think they're often treated as like that identity is like a tag like yo you get a special quirk you get to be a person of color you get to be queer you get to be disabled Mm -hmm. and um i think it's important that like uh uh, people exist at all of those intersections and we are all complex and we're all a mass of of identities and um parts of who we are and like I think it was it's important to like I don't know not just have the the two white lesbians like have a scene in bed with each other and that's you know that's all the queer representation we need like a a a true story I felt kind of skeezy writing that scene cuz I was like I wanted yeah. to sh- I wanted to show up but I didn't want to have it but I also didn't want to be like I don't know s- sensation or not sensational but like I like there is a there is a tendency to um fetishize um like Uh, uh, lesbians uh, because I don't know like that's still falling into the same kind of uh, uh, like misogynist tropes that we're we're really trying to to like take down but um,
6: I think that well there's also a fine line between like sensationalizing something and representation you know like that that line especially in like not that queer representation is necessarily new in the media but it's basically new in the media at this point like it's in the grand scheme of things. And I feel like when you're trying to like get new representation out there, a lot of the times it it is going to come across as tokenism or it is going to come across as sensationalism just because it's not everywhere, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, look at this new quirk thing. Like Like you were saying, like this is quirk. Like you're like, this is a feature of our show is that we have this representation. And I don't know if that's so much, that sentiment is so much your fault as the writer so much as the... The culture and the society and the environment in which you're putting your work,
2: but I think that's that's also why it was important for us to like keep coming back to these characters, not exactly. just show them once. Exactly. I think the fact that like you see Bridget wanting to be with Esther for a long time and having to grapple with like not just oh we're queer and in history and it's a bad time to be queer, but <laughs> like queer this like like it goes beyond like you it goes beyond tokenism because you see that the conflict is specific to Bridget and Esther mm-hmm. um and i i hope i think we did a really good job of of sort of doing that with the rest of the cast as well like uh, not making it tokenism because Yes, it's representation, but also it's important that it's these specific characters that we're following. You
4: know what I will say, though? Um, And I want to let Eli speak to this as well, um, because I remember like specifically I remember having really long talks about this with um, Eli and with To um, early on and like even going on later on, because like this being genre fiction and uh, being, you know, Being all of all of the marginalized things myself, um, (laughs) um, falling under all of those intersecting categories uh, coming into this, like I wanted there to be representation. But one of my big things that I always made a stink about was like, okay, number one, I want it to be realistic. I want it to be like, okay, so there are these brown people here. And um, there are these queer people here. And, yeah, we're in, like, sort of a timeline where maybe necessarily, like, you know, those uh, things were not different for them or whatever. But I also want to acknowledge what the time period is. But also, you know, what I would really love is to have these characters exist as complex human beings and have, mm-hmm. like you said, Misha, have their problems be specific to them as characters and not it just be, like the tragedy of the black man or the tragedy of the uh the bisexual South Asian man, like, um, in in this time in history, because I, I wanna have fun in time travel as well. And like, you know, can we find that balance so that the audience that we're um sort of uh, pitching towards is not just, you know, uh, no offense, like, white people that want to feel better about themselves because there's representation in their shows, but also, like, you know, geeks of color who never get to see themselves represented, like Toe was saying before. Like, I want to see myself also having fun and, like, having adventures and shit like that. And, like, I read books. I read tomes when I was thinking about, like, specifically going into Dilemma, going into Greenhouse, but also going into Dilemma. I read so much stuff about, like, okay, so... What did a relationship between two women look like back then? Like, how would it work? How would it have worked if they had tried to work it out or whatever, like, et cetera, et cetera. And like, there was a lot of research that went into that. And then even going into a post that uh, Eli and I wrote together, it was really important to me that David and Lou get to talk to each other and also acknowledge the intersection of them being in the position they were, th- they were in, but also being black men in the 1950s, like right at the beginning of the civil rights movement, which we didn't necessarily touch on in the show, but like acknowledge that that truth is there and still let them exist as complex human beings. And I think that that was sort of the most important part for me.
0: Well, I think um, with inserting ourselves into the show, as people, we're trying to navigate our own lives and the own adventures that we're on. And we really wanted to ensure that was also reflective in these characters. I guess like, yes, we are our you know, marginalized identities, but we are also more than that as yeah. people, as writers. And so we wanted to ensure that we were giving these characters their due, much like we deserve our own due here in the present. Yeah,
3: And it would be it would be like a real trap for us to fall into, like a bunch of people have fallen into in the past to to force all of the weight of uh, of a time or of a viewpoint or an ideology onto these one or two characters that do kind of like you were saying, get get tokenized because the writers don't have the luxury sometimes or don't feel like it's important to spend the sustained time with those characters that you need to make them an organic creation that really exists fully.
4: Which is exactly why when we started casting for season two and like, you know, the last like arcs and things like that, Um, I think it was really important. We had many discussions about, like, okay, so we're making a new character. There's a new character that's going to be in Ars Paradoxica. Did we imagine this person as a white guy? Does it have to be a white guy? I feel like (laughs) it could not be. And then, you know, we got to, you know, casting for Tanya Lemartine, and we're like, okay, so, like, that can be Tina Wong. That's that's awesome. Okay, let's do that. And then we had these actors of color who were not, or at least in that case, were were not necessarily, like, canonically the same, like, race or ethnicity or whatever, but... (laughs) You know, we were uh, defrosting, I would say, like doing the opposite of like whitewashing uh, sort of the audio drama community at the same <laughs> time as like we were like sort of like making our story reflect the very real diversity of the United States at the time of our podcast.
0: Also, can I just say if um, you want some real life historical Queer history. I just was redundant. Historical queer history. Anyways, um, the podcast Always Here is pretty good. It's hosted by Miri Josephs and Adrian Webster, and oh, they've yeah. really been making an effort to like find people. Um, it is very U.S. centric, but they've been making the effort to find uh, queer people in history from other countries and cultures and whatnot. And it's it's really good. And they're very honest about where they get their sources from and how they're treated in those sources. And I just, I recommend it's a It's a pretty solid podcast.
5: I want to be really clear that there's no, like, yes, there's queer characters, but it's really important that people understand that, like, not only queer characters have queer relationships. Um, yeah. And, and like, mm-hmm. I very specifically tried to write all of the characters having queer relationships. Like, like if you look at Sally and Chet, like, if they were written in, like, a 90s show, it would have been this, like, will they, won't they like type mm-hmm. of, like, romance, screwball comedy. And the thing is, is that, like, even though Sally is asexual and even though we don't know anything about Chet, like their relationship is still queer. Like, even if it's not like about being in love with each other or about any kind of romantic attraction, it's still an alternate type of relationship than like what we have socially constructed for people to have. And like, when we look at like David and Lou, like they're obviously, you know, not romantically in love with each other, but I wanted to really show that they very clearly love each other a lot. And, like, yeah. that is still a queer relationship to me because, like, that level of friendship and that level of vulnerability is still queerness because it's radical vulnerability that we don't see or aren't accustomed to seeing, like, in our society. Definitely. Sorry. That, yes. I just need to get that out there. Like, not only queer characters have queer relationships.
0: No, no. I really appreciate that. Uh, we're going to move on to our next question, if that is okay. Um, just because we we did eat up a, quite a bit of time I'm, with that. We could,
1: <laughs> we could spend hours talking Honestly, about it. Honestly, and uh, we
0: totally... Could and should.
2: Yeah. Podcon call us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Phoebe asks, what are the various cast and crew's dream projects slash roles oh. and, oh. Uh, and or <laughs> any ideas about new projects coming down the Whisper Forge pipe? Do we have ideas we can
6: share?
0: Oh, Is yes. Pipe?
6: I want one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't we
0: all? Toad, do you want to start with your project? Since I believe it's the next one up on our roster.
5: I will say I do think this next project coming up really has the potential to be that dream project for me. Um, based on kind of just like what I'm writing about it and what it's going to be so uh, we've talked about it a little bit in IAP 36 um, it's a show called Caravan um, it's basically <laughs> all the representation I've wanted to see in a show um, it's kind of the it's, it's kind of the genre that I've wanted to see with the characters that I've wanted to see and maybe like I mean I, yeah am I gonna cast like all my favorite celebrities that I've always wanted to have probably not but I think what matters more is, um, can it really hit, like, the emotional beats that I, that I want it to hit? And can it connect with people in the way that I want it to? And if it does that and if it has the effect on people that I want it to, I will consider that, like, a dream project. So um, I, I'm really keeping my eggs in a basket for that one because I'm Beautiful. very, very excited about it.
0: Christian,
6: uh, Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Putting you uh, on the spot here. Well, as far as dream projects go, I mean... Ars Paradoxico is a dream project. So cute. But uh um, yeah, no, I'm writing a thing too, cause like I was like, I, it was so much sort of like we were talking about like with Star Tripper, how like after Ars Paradoxico it's, it like so heavy and so dense, and like there's so much like raw emotion and feelings. Um I was like, I wanna write something kind of stupid and funny. Um <laughs> and the, and that is and I'm I'm currently working on something that is it's the sort of thing like anytime I'd say like, oh, and then this could happen and everyone's like, Chris, and that's a terrible idea. But now I have a place where no one can stop me. So <laughs> lean yeah. in. Oh, do it. Um, so do it horrible,
0: horrible things are somebody happening, stop him. You can't no, do anything about her. it. They're wonderful. I refute the statement that you just made. Uh Eli, how about you? <laughs> I am currently learning Spanish because I was unfortunately not raised speaking it, dad. (laughs) Um, But my dream project is actually to write a show um, with complementing storylines, one in English and one in Spanish, and then provide transcripts in both English and Spanish for both. Mm -hmm. So um, essentially they're not translations of the same show. They are complementing storylines. Um, that ultimately the finale would intersect. I, that's kind of my personal dream project at the moment, but I'm trying to work on my language skills first. Um, and I would probably be like more of like a showrunner, head writer position rather than writing all of it because there's no way I would be able to do that by myself. That's fair, uh, Danielle. I
4: don't know. I, I I think I've I've made pretty clear that I'm going to go back to uh, my roots as a uh, as an actor. I probably that's will step back into the. Uh, the you know the writing boots every so often if it becomes necessary but like oh as far as like dream dream projects like i don't know i get to work with you great people like all the time <laughs> mm-hmm. not Carlos. to you know be that per i know but i like you guys a lot and i don't want to say it cuz your egos but like damn, <laughs> damn. but uh, i mean i don't know if i had to do like far fetched like dream project like really i want to be I, I really want to be like female Indiana Jones like if I could do a movie like that like on the yeah. that would be kind of great where
5: you are in some ways Girl, I don female Indiana Jones I <laughs> there no, we go.
4: okay I wasn't gonna spoil it toe I was gonna. Yeah. I was, I'm trying not to I'm trying not to spoil over here I'm just like hinting <laughs> at the future I'm just saying that I'm very excited about some of the things that I get to be a part of and um yeah whisper forge man mm-hmm. you guys are you guys are not ready <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Uh Julian
3: I guess I'm kind of already making my dream project yeah, you honestly are. like Star That's Tripper so is man. turning out to be everything I hoped it would and a little bit extra at the moment you know we're still we're still pretty small at the moment but I have only seen evidence that this is something that can grow and grow and grow and will take root in more people's brains as something that they also didn't realize they had sort of been missing for a bunch of years. But I guess I, it, not in the audio drama space necessarily, but um, I have another writing project on the back burner um, that's kind of a blend of Deadwood and Star Trek Deep Space Nine and uh, uh, just a little bit, it's, oh, it's a yeah. pastiche of a lot of things. Um, it's and very have, cool. Oh, thank you. Um, and <laughs> at the moment, I'm calling that one Honeycomb, but it's so up in the air. I have no idea where it'll go. Um, that I think I had been writing it more for um, for the idea of it being option for TV, but any anything <laughs> could happen. I might turn it into a comic. Um, and then I the only other thing that I have on my mind is mm. uh, like 10 year plan. I want to make a fighting game with historical uh, figures in it. So that's going to awesome.
1: be a lot of
0: fun. Amazing, uh, Dan.
1: Uh, okay, so I I'm sorry I don't have like a oh I'm working on this thing you can listen to right now or even a oh I respect you all as artists and like you wow. are my dream wow rude. I legitimately have a dream and I wanna uh, I wanna um, do a revival I think this would be perfect for uh, a a perfect like like podcast audio revival, I want to get The Lost Room. Oh my God, yes.
0: Wait, I have to be involved with that. I'm sorry. I demand it. Yeah, I want to yeah, be Yeah, yeah, no, in
6: absolutely. Holy
0: shit. Do
1: it um, now. I'm on board. of it. The Lost Room is a sci-fi miniseries from like 2006 with uh, Peter Krause from Six Feet Under And it's about this, um, it's uh, like there's this, uh, in our world, there are these like magical artifacts that are like kind of like Warehouse 13 artifacts, if you're familiar with those. But they're all from a motel room that like blooped out of space time in at like a specific like second in 1950, whatever. And I just think that uh, that story is so rich and like full of life. And like there's so many places you can go with that. It's so it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube, is it? That's great. You that's should That's how
0: I that's how I rewatched it maybe one or two years ago. Oh man, wholeheartedly recommend The Lost mm-hmm.
1: Room. Ugh, Lost Room is if you liked Ours Paradoxica, you if you like Ours Paradoxica and any other thing we've made, you will definitely yeah. like The Lost Room.
0: Misha. Um,
2: oh geez. Um I like I did it and continue to do it. Um, like every time I make something, I go, okay, this is really good and I'm really proud of it, but you know what I want to do next, this thing. And then the far Meridian comes along and then I go, okay, this is good, but you know what I want to do next, this thing. And then star tripper comes along and I'm like, uh, like between the far Meridian, ours paradoxica star tripper working on LeVar Burton reads, which I'm now also doing and, hey. and everything that the whisper forge has coming up. Like, I feel like I'm not only am I living the dream, I have been living the dream for the past two years and it doesn't really show a ton of signs of slowing down. Outside of that, originally, very originally, before we got a fan base, I was set on making one complete season of Ars Paradoxica because if not a soul outside of Daniel and me ever heard it, at least I would have one complete season of a show I made myself that I could pitch to animation audio houses. I would love to do an animated feature.
4: Yo, I would love
2: God. to do sound and voice direction and ADR or like
3: any combination of those things for an animated feature.
4: Misha, I want to play. Yes.
0: Yeah. We all want to play in that space. Misha, call me. <laughs>
3: yeah, let's all play around and make an animated show together. Hey, Whisperforge animated wing, let's go. Yeah, do we oh, know yeah, any like,
4: animators? <laughs>
2: yes, call actually, us. I believe we, we do. We live
3: so close to all of the animation It's houses, true. So I'm sure it's we true. can... Just Some grab point. someone.
0: I know that... Before
2: you move on, hey, Julia, why don't you tell us about your Whisperforge oh, yeah. project? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah!
0: Okay. Please yeah. do. how the turntables... Only because I, as of this recording today just finish the uh the draft for the final episode of the first season of my thing yeah, um, but yeah. i have been working on a script that is based off of pirate penny dreadfuls but in space um for the past three years uh that i showed to Kristen at a party once and then she sent it to misha <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it had to be a
6: real thing. Oh yeah, I forgot. I did not ask permission for that. I just sent <laughs> you it. did not at all. You're just like I'm <laughs> going to send this. I'm
0: like okay. Um, but it is. Um, I think the title that we were going with is "The Tale of Birdie Brockton." It is something yes. that has been on my mind for three years. Um, I'm very excited about it, and I um, I don't really have anything to say because I don't want to give away like too much of it. But I I'm just. I'm very excited about it. I drank half a bottle of champagne today because I was just so stoked <laughs> to finish it. So, <laughs> hey. Kristen, we will mm-hmm. talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye, friends. Bye, Kristen. I love you. Christian.
5: I love you. you. No, uh,
0: I don't want to go. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> We love you. Uh, and now we're going to move on to a section called Talking shit, posts. shit about Kristen. Shit, posts. shit oh, posts. Yes. Headed up by
4: Juliana, I'm sure.
0: Uh, <laughs> we're going to try and do these rapid fire just because we're <laughs> a little bit over time and we should try and wrap up as soon as possible. But uh, the first question is from Kanan, uh, and they said, how the hell are you supposed to hold a fork if it's not like a pencil? <laughs> Someone please answer that question.
2: Holy shit. The fork the fork thing has sparked way more discord than I ever expected. We just needed like a cute, quirky thing that Nikhil does that Sally could point out. And the amount of discord that has been sparked about the way people hold their forks amuses me to no end. I made y'all examine the way you hold forks and I will forever hold that as a victory <laughs> That's over the power mass populace. That you have. Yeah, you broke my brain
4: with their ears. Guys, we need to talk about this though. How do you guys hold your pencils because holding them the same way you hold a fork is just weird. Like I don't I don't understand. I honestly, I've been trying to figure this out since the discourse started. Like I don't I don't hold my pencils in a scooping manner like
3: shovel style pencil. Yeah. <laughs> no.
4: But I also don't hold my pencils like I'm holding like a little tiny needle either like most people do. And I, I feel like it's because I'm left handed. But like, how are you guys eating? I don't how? Know. Question. Question. <laughs> I just don't know.
0: Um, the next question is from Ezeme. Jack Wyatt has a dog. This isn't even a question. It's a fact of life.
2: Yep. yep, it's a Cannon. Jack Russell Terry. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Oh, see, in okay. my head it's a Dalmatian. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one, too. Oh, I imagine, like, a big golden retriever. Oh. You always imagine a big golden retriever for everything, though, Daniel.
4: I feel like that's his, like, uh, his Patronus, though. And he also has an iPad. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
6: Touche. Uh,
0: the next question is from Juliana, and she asks, uh, what are your crack ships? Um, Archie the Cat and Pandora the Mouse. Cool. What?
3: Ooh. Uh, June Barlow and Patty Fitzroy.
0: That's awesome. not a crack, that's ship. Life. That's not that's crack not, ship. That's not crack ship, that's just life. That's practically
3: canon. I'm ashamed to admit this, but I don't know what a crack ship is.
0: Julian, what the hell? Uh, it's a weird ship that would never be canon. That would <laughs> never be canon. Yes. Oh, okay.
4: We um, had have- a couple of cool ones from the AUs. <laughs> to
2: be perfectly honest, I, I don't know how crack ship it is, but like I do really love all of the Helen and June AUs. Mm-hmm.
0: That's canon. <laughs> Danielle and I did a live reading and would trade chapters for that Helen and June fanfic, and it was rough. It was emotionally compromising. So like, we
4: had so much wine. <laughs> we, I, I mean, I we should have recorded that, to be quite honest with we you. We took pictures. Yeah. Um, okay, so I will say, in a, in an alternate universe where they are the same age, in a fanfic, my crack, cr- the crackest crack ship I've ever said, I've said this to Eli, and I know it's weird, it's, um... Petra and Esther as like a hatred to like oh like Mm. like a kismasist sort of thing yeah but like in an alternate universe where they're the same age because otherwise it's weird I cannot stress that
0: enough but you said Petra just ages rapidly because she's going back in time so much I know so it it gets weird Petra would make it happen if she wanted it to happen damn (laughs) 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 okay
2: as soon as as soon as Petra decides on a course of action it's as good as as done done.
0: hey
3: I got a crack ship for you Um, okay okay. and this and this is wingnut stuff guys so hold on um, so we got that moment where Anthony is in the hospital room with Bill Donovan and they're having oh that my big God. moment. <laughs> and and oh to strangle, God. they just start going at it. They just start Talk going about at enemies it. Right enemies to lovers.
4: Yeah. Right? I think you're going to be dude. Tags
5: for lemon fans. This That is very good. That <laughs> is a very good crack ship.
4: Yeah. I could do Ted Chambers and Chet Wickman. All
7: right.
0: Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Juliana also has a question that is probably directed towards Eli, and it's, what's Patty Fitzroy up to these days? <laughs> She's running her perfume empire yes. and has dumped her husband because she deserves better.
4: Yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was he was fine. He was
0: just very bland.
3: She
7: just
0: deserves yeah. better. She settled and then realized she can do better.
4: <laughs> Bless. You've already
3: bought Fitzroy brand perfume and don't know it.
4: <laughs> there yep. you go. I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> I smell amazing. <laughs> uh,
0: rapid fire question. What is your favorite time travel episode of a show that isn't about time travel? Ooh.
1: The Rugrats one. Oh God. I was about to answer something with Lost, but like there's enough of that show that's time travel. that's basically a time travel show. But
3: the answer is the Mm -hmm. constant Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. And this I don't know. Yeah, no, this is time travel. Uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, where the serial killers uh, adoptive son uh, gets stuck in a time loop that the serial killer put him in.
4: That one of the flash where they go back to the 20s. Yeah.
0: Sweet. Yeah. Like the Gravity Falls episode where they they fight in the time battles or whatever it's the called. The time
5: baby. Oh, oh, my god! I love the time baby. People might fight me on this because they they're, they're going to say it's a spin-off of a time show, but I don't think Torchwood is a time. No, it's not. Show. Yeah, no, it's not. And, and I would say Captain Jack Harkness. That's is a good one. The best yeah, absolutely.
2: Of that one. Uh, I think for me, it's probably uh, Futurama. Time keeps on slipping. Where they where they uh, work with the Harlem Globetrotters to figure out why time skips are happening.
0: Mine is the Steven Universe. One. Oh, All the and the Stevens Oh, Stephen yeah.
4: And Stevens. No, that's the correct You're answer. the correct answer.
0: The next question is from Ben, and they ask, "When did Chet begin his hobby of cultivating the devil's lettuce? <laughs> did it include misappropriated equipment, or uh, it, and if so, is it just time lettuce?" Toes him on.
5: <laughs> yes. Um, I think, um, I, th- I think, I think Amelia's is. Okay.
7: Wait
5: I think he's, I think he is hooked up. And like, that's just part of like a very quiet understanding you have because like. Amelia you know, has
2: such a, like a deep secret life that we never touch in the
5: podcast. She
4: does. I tried to get to her too. Yeah. Like.
5: Yeah. That was like a whole mini set I never wrote. The
4: red yarn coming from Amelia is like thick
5: she'll she'll just
3: leave an envelope that yeah, it smells uh, I, that's a strange smell in envelope but whatever
5: you know we we handle <laughs> yeah. weird stuff all the time i mean it's also
1: 1950s weed so i'm sure yeah, it's not because great because when he was
5: a petty officer just he had no surveillance on him so he could just like get away yeah. with that shit and he just like carried on that mm. habit to cope with the absolute stress of like controlling all of
4: <laughs> that's amelia's real job like the rest of it is just extra Like her real job is to get the weed.
3: (laughs) I think that's the only thing about Chet Wickman that I really identify with. That's why they, that's why they moved to Colorado. In the ODAR credits, uh, Amelia is listed as
2: creative consultant on set. (laughs) (laughs)
7: Amazing.
2: Uh,
0: The next question comes from Megan and Noah at Ours Questions, and it is in reference to The 54 Conspiracy. Seriously, what happened with 54? There are too many coincidences. I feel betrayed. You started this now finish it.
4: Someone explain. I don't know what this is.:
1: um, Okay, so uh, for, the, for the code for episode, oh, oh God, I think it was the first episode of season three, so it would have been 20. It was definitely a season three episode. Um, it was: Yeah, it was uh, when we started adding quirks to each code, um, and there was, there was like a time. That was you had to decode what the time was, and it was uh, it was just like a basic like box Caesar cipher, but with uh a. five across and four down. But as uh, also Loop Taco mentions in that question, there are also 54 episodes in the Rs Paradoxica feed. So to answer your question, there is no 5400 conspiracy. You're fucking just losing
2: oh, your God. mind. Come on. one, of my favorite, one of my favorite things about t- Dan taking over the codes in season three and giving them all these quirks is that like, once you know what the quirk is, each code is relatively simple to solve. You just like look up how to solve it and you do it. The fun was that we didn't tell you which parts of the code meant what and like they would have to like reverse engineer that and watching the fans do that was some of the most fun i've ever had
0: (laughs) uh kind of going off that dave from ours questions asks which do you prefer tulsa or memphis both cities or codes
1: oof Uh, I uh, probably I don't know. I've actually been to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I drove through it once.
0: That was the weather.
6: <laughs> that was the weather.
1: But then again, Memphis just in in its contribution to the barbecue arts alone <laughs> is like might be the one to put How it over
7: the, the top.
2: Sauce? Can I take this moment to just point out that, like, yes, Tulsa and Memphis were the cities that we used in the code. But like we had Izzy Atkinson record a bunch of cities that we never used. Like, We have a bunch of US cities, a couple of like international cities, and then also some fake like mythological city like we got Atlantis and Camelot
4: they're very good. Damn. We got a <laughs> bunch
1: of stuff
2: from Izzy in case we ever thought to use it and then it turned out we just
1: never did. Well cuz some things we use more of some things we didn't. I believe the first uh, I, I don't want to make this question too long but uh we we basically uh, figured out what the codes would be and then like said okay we'll need numbers and so we got Izzy to record roughly every every number 0 to 999 not all at once. We just have her say 100, 200 and then 1 through 100. And then with uh uh we We had the cities and then we had weather conditions. And then for season two, we were kind of expanding those more. So we had a a second like grouping of things. And then when we realized that, oh, I uh, uh, wanted to have more like the codes and your lucky number and what have you, that we had a a big third one where we really I have a ton of of Izzy stuff. We can make Izzy Atkinson say so many things. (laughs) Yeah, I feel weird about that. Um. We paid her, right? We paid her, like, a bunch of money. Yes, we definitely paid her. <laughs> Great.
0: Good. Next couple of questions come from Mo, and I'm going to do them rapid fire. Hi, Mo. The, f- the first question is, what's the best pasta to time travel with? Presumably, you keep your clothes during time travel, so if you had some ravioli in your pocket, it'd come with It's you, definitely right?
2: farfalli butterfly okay. pasta. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Nope, yep. there we go. All
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> we're, we're good. Uh, so the next question is, you requested we ask about Chet's bong, so Yes. Does anyone else know about Chet's bong? When were bongs invented anyway?
1: Bong? I believe uh, water-based pipes have been uh, used for various things, uh, at least in the Middle East, for uh, hundreds, if not thousands of years. So bongs have been around forever. And we already know that Amelia knows. (laughs) So, (laughs) Thank you. We, we, in fact, answer that
0: question. I think
3: Amelia knows how to roll, actually.
0: (laughs) For oh, sure, def, for sure, definitely. Uh, the next question is: What video games would Anthony be best at in the twenty first century? What is his opinion teachers. on Nintendo? That new
1: Tetris VR thing. Puyo Puyo, 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 Puyo Tetris.
4: Oh,
0: Julian
2: Jinx! Um. Okay. Uh, here's a controversial opinion. I think Anthony Partridge would really not enjoy Breath of the Wild. Oh, he'd hate um, it no. because it's Ooh, yeah. it's too open ended. He he just wants like a clear like problem yeah. solution and like there's too much there's too much choice in Breath. You can do anything.
5: No, leave me alone. No. Hm. I think he I think he would go broke on microtransactions oh, for on like sure. yes. Fortnite. Fortnite. He'd be very into
4: Fortnite, I think. <laughs> no, I feel like he'd be more of a PUBG guy mm-hmm. than okay, a Fortnite. Okay, yeah, the bright colors would bug him. Battleship brigade, guys. Man,
2: why did no one send Anthony Partridge like a PC with Gary's mod on it? He'd be set for oh life oh, <laughs> oh,
4: give the man Minecraft. He wouldn't be so bored in the black
2: Minecraft. room. Minecraft. <laughs> Anthony Partridge loves Minecraft. Yeah. So
0: we're gonna ask the last question. It's also from Mo. And they ask, okay. this is important to me. Is there any timeline where Sally and Anthony get to hug? Oh,
4: no, <laughs> you guys are awful. You guys are just mean. It's funnier to say no. You guys are just mean. <laughs> yes, Mo, there is.
2: Um, I think that uh, it's the time. It's the last timeline that we leave off on. I think that Sally and Sally and Petra. Um, go track down Anthony Partridge at like his new teaching gig once Odar crumbles after not having time travel and she just runs up and hugs him and then runs away and he questions it for the rest of his life. That's,
4: That's
0: very beautiful. good, Misha.
4: <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. I wow. can't accept it. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. I think with that, we are wrapped up. No.
4: <laughs> no yeah.
0: any final thoughts? Question It's concerns? been a year and a
4: week since ours paradoxa camp and we realized that while we were in the studio oh, no. and I have a lot of feelings oh, about no. that. Um, yeah, I mean just like thanks as always
2: to everyone for playing along with us doing weird shit into audio for three years. like we made the show we wanted to see in the world and the fact that so many others also wanted to see it means literally everything yeah like thanks for being interested in us even though like the show's over thanks for coming back to listen to this thing thanks for listening to our new stuff thank you uh i want
1: to um turn the praise back on the rest of you on this call uh i have a philosophy that uh you should find the the smartest most talented and creative people in the room and glom onto them and like i just have to say that uh, all of the the writers and Misha and all of the actors are just such incredible, wonderful, talented people. And there has been such a joy, like it, it, like a life changing joy to work with you all and to make this incredible thing that was once just a, a dumb idea I, I had in my dorm room. And like the the ways that you all have have brought it to life is is enough that like I feel like I have given up on on ours paradox as my thing and it is very much your all's thing and you've all put your your stamps on it and it has become such a beautiful incredible piece of work that I'm so incredibly proud of because of the work you've done on it and because I also certainly would have not been able to finish it on my own. Yeah.
3: Um, and Dan, don't sell yourself short yeah. because without your
7: crazy oh,
1: ass, no, we would I'm not really be here. Not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. No, I'm literally saying I just would not have been able to finish. The- Misha, can you back me up? Uh, I would not have been uh, able to finish. I was alone. yelling
2: at Dan to finish scripts on time around episode six. I can <laughs> confirm. And went all the way
1: to episode 36. Hey. hey, hey. Uh, I have a very severe
2: ADHD and
1: not too much self worth. You'll
2: say, Big same. <laughs> um, uh, before, before we wrap up, I briefly want to thank Julia for jumping on and moderating. We love oh, you. It was thank my you. pleasure. Yeah, yes, yeah. thank
1: you so much.
2: Thank you also to Evan Cunningham, my uh, composer friend who does all the music for the Bright Sessions, for loaning us uh, his microphones. We currently have uh, my apartment, Whisperforge Forge HQ, wired up with five separate channels going at the same time, and it's, it's very a impressive. Technological marvel.
1: <laughs> Plus Julia and Kristen and,
2: um... Toe, we, this is
1: what, eight people on a single call that I'm going to have to edit? You've never heard a podcast what? with eight people
2: all at once. I'm not sure you should. Um, Pushing the boundaries, Whisper Forge. We
5: literally have. It was done. That Was, like was there eight? Oh, yeah. oh, no, but it wasn't all at once. I recorded them all yeah. separately. Not live, though. Uh, We're live right now. Okay, fair. Fair. I was going to follow that very sentimental note by saying um, just because the show's over, the posting is mm-hmm. not. So. Amen. Totes follow me on Twitter and Tumblr. I love posting about everything so just keep interacting yes uh thank you so much
0: for listening to Ars paradoxica if you would like to know what else this amazing team is doing please follow us at the whisper forge on twitter uh and also check out whisperforge.org to just find out what we're doing right now Right now, at this moment. Yep, right now. Currently. Currently.
1: It has all of our whereabouts. It's just a marauder's map.
0: Can confirm.
1: <laughs> very, very inconvenient.
0: We can't do crimes anymore. <laughs> yeah, I had to
1: stop my life Speak of crime. for
7: yourself.
0: Bye. Yeah, thank, thank you all for coming. Bye-bye. I
5: love you, bye-bye.